This is Morgan Hazelwood, back again with more writing tips and writerly musings. Today, I'm here to share with you notes from the panel, how to tell science from pseudoscience. So throughout time, there has always been a struggle between science and pseudoscience. Even as we've learned more, done better, some have always insisted on ignoring those advances. On the titular panel at Worldcon 2019 Dublin, Eugene Daugherty, Sam Shiner, Christina Marcia, and moderated by Stephen Nelson, discuss the daily fight against pseudoscience beliefs in our current day and age. First off, what is pseudoscience? Well, there are three main types of pseudoscience. One, things that cannot be tested or examined, i.e., the world was created last night with everyone given false memories and records to deceive us all. Secondly, things that have been proven false, such as the Ptolemaic universe. The universe does not revolve around Earth. Thirdly, conspiracy theories, which have the trappings of science without the techniques or scientific process. So next, the panelists shared their favorite slash least favorite examples of pseudoscience. Homeopathy. Based on a theory similar to vaccines, the less medicine you dilute in water, the more effective it'll be. It used to be helpful in that it kept the quacks away, but diluted water isn't treatment for cancer, pneumonia, or worse. Next, creationism, the belief that the world was built in literally seven days. Third, climate change is fake. That has been proven wrong. Fourth, another pseudoscience weird oddity is the effectiveness of placebos. And we're not even sure how effective placebos are. The placebo effect might be a placebo? I'm a little confused there. For those who don't know, a placebo is when you're given fake medicine, like a sugar cube instead of the real medicine, but you feel better anyway. It partially works on the power of belief and partially some people get better anyway and partially we don't know. And uh, finally, one of the panelists is a ghost hunter, and he said one of his favorite pseudoscience examples was when the EMF, the electro electromagnet field meter, is beeping. People assume it must be a ghost, not an indicator of, you know, cell signal. Or, I can't think of anything natural that could have made that flash in my window at night near the street. Clearly, it must have been a ghost. Just because you can't think of a better explanation doesn't mean there isn't one. So, we did have a couple audience questions. One person asked, does science disprove faith? The panelists were very careful about this one and answered that faith is outside of science. By its very definition, it is supernatural. Another audience question was, how ethical is homeopathy for something unavoidable, like childbirth 
chronic illness or something more terminal? What if it gives them comfort or acts as a placebo? It can be a slippery slope, but perhaps not entirely unethical when offered as a complementary treatment rather than instead of actual proven medical treatment. So why are people not trusting science, both now and back in the day? Well, science writers are very good about caveats and double-checking results to be certain they are reporting good science. But caveats and double-checking facts isn't very convincing, i.e. if you're not 100% sure, why should I trust what you say? Next, with the death of traditional newspapers, lay people rather than trained science writers are reporting on science and writing it for clickbait. Which leads into three, scientists are often poor communicators with lay people. Another issue is that we often teach science by promoting facts that might change based on later studies, think diet and nutrition, science, um, rather than teaching critical thinking and the scientific method. Another thing why people distrust scientists is we tell them they're wrong. Telling people they're wrong doesn't work. Very often it makes them cling to their beliefs stronger. Next, some people, as a follow-up to that, attack people or pseudoscience believers rather than the pseudoscience itself. And sometimes it's the pseudoscience believers. They have a lack of intellectual humility and can't believe someone else could teach them anything they don't already know through experience or education or their own logic that just conveniently ignores anything that disagrees with what they'd already decided to believe in. And finally, people want simple, straightforward answers, and science doesn't always have those. So how can we get people to rebuild the trust and start believing in science again? We have to target the people who are open to learning. We have to convince the people around the opinion leaders, the politicians, the celebrities, what have you, of your truth so the, the politicians, the opinion leaders themselves can hear it from someone they already trust. A third way we can outreach is citizen projects. Get people involved and personally invested in the science. Fourth, make sure the objective of the science is known, not just the details, i.e. studying the sex life of beetles, is actually watching how to disrupt the breeding cycle of beetles that are destroying potato crops makes it sound a little more reasonable that we're funding this, doesn't it? Fifth, prioritize teaching critical thinking and the scientific method over just memorizing facts. And finally, treat people with respect. What are your favorite or least favorite examples of pseudoscience and how do you think we can get people to stop believing in it? Or can we? And that's all for today. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button and share it with all your friends. It goes a long way towards helping people find me. And I'll be back again next Monday with more writing tips and writerly musings. Bye-bye.